Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Killigan Circumstances. I'm your host, Marian Angelis, and this is our show. Hello, 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 everybody. This is episode two of our new season, and I have one of one of my new friends that I've made, my friend Ernesto. Ernesto, why don't you introduce yourself? All right, I'm Ernesto, and I go to the same university as you, Marian, and I'm very glad that we met each other through the ECP program. Yeah, so the ECP program at our university is um, the English Conversation Program. So we actually get a chance to volunteer, and all we do is pretty much um, practice um, conversations with other foreign foreign exchange students or international students, mostly students from China and Korea and Saudi Arabia. We do talk to, and it's so much fun. I. I can't, we engage in some really fun conversations, that's for sure. Oh yeah, what was the most fun conversation you had actually? Oh my gosh, it was the one, okay, so we actually had this group of like high school um, South Korean art students come and we each got one student. You remember that one, Ernesto? I don't think I was there, unfortunately. I was surprised that we got students from high school. I thought it was all from just our university. I feel like they just wanted a lot of foreign students. They just wanted more people to be aware of the program because I thought it was open to everybody. Yeah, I thought so too, but I'm glad that they're uh, broadening, you know, a lot more people to join in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so glad. It's so much fun, but I was like, we were just geeking out over like rom-coms and Swedes and talking about nature when we're just talking about other stuff (laughs) yeah but anyways anyways yeah so today our topic is going to be a is going to be this movie called a brilliant young mind now it was a movie that was released around 2014 2015 and it is about this boy who is on the autism spectrum who is going to the um who's going to the international mathematic olympiad I'm glad I said that right. That's a tongue twister. And he gets to kind of experience the world with a new set of eyes, a set of eyes that isn't accustomed to the way that he sees the world when he's at home. Did you want to say something? What did you think about the movie? Sorry. You know, it was really interesting to me because when I was younger, in particular, you know, in elementary school and in the middle of middle school, I was a math prodigy for some reason. I don't know why I didn't ask for it, but I was, but I kind of petered out due to various reasons, but it's very strange to see that like a movie about someone who is on the spectrum like me is interested in math because I thought, you know, that was a bit of nostalgia instilled into me as I watched the film. Mm, It's... That's really interesting, Ernesto. When did you uh, get diagnosed with being autistic? Um, I was diagnosed by a psychologist from the school district in kindergarten, but I wasn't even aware of it at all because oh. I was so young at the time, but otherwise I would have had memories of it. But I was diagnosed with on the spectrum in kindergarten. Wow, okay, okay. Well, just to let everybody know that with the autism spectrum disorder, it is a spectrum and no person has the, has the exact same set of, I guess, how do I say it? I'm thinking. I like, guess experiences. Experiences, yeah. 
and that each person's different and Ernesto is different, but I'm so glad that you're here today because for me, who doesn't, a person who doesn't have autism and just watches this movie with kind of a blind eye, you would think, you would kind of think that a lot of, a lot of people who are autistic experience the world similar to the way Nathan does, but that's not the case whatsoever, right? Yeah, I'd say so. In fact, there was a particular scene where I guess he kind of blanked out into space with, you know, flooding the kitchen. And I realized that, oh, wait, I sometimes blanked out like that as a kid. And then, you know, my parents, you know, misinterpreted the situation and they intervened and I got a bit overwhelmed. And that was just shocking to me because I never really thought about those experiences up until I saw it at that point in the movie. Hmm. Yeah, that is actually really interesting. Um, so I, for everybody else, um, I actually asked Ernesto to be on the show just days prior to this. And he did, he read more than I did because <laughs> your girl is very, very busy lately. I'm so sorry. And it's, life happens. It, it happens. But he did more research than I did. But what I do know is that this movie, I think, breaks a lot of boundaries in terms of kind of talking about masculinity and also mm -hmm. the fact of the autism spectrum, where it's not necessarily as, I guess, pronounced and not as, I guess, um, the, the fact of autism sometimes can be. How do I explain this? It's kind of like with the new um, Sia movie, you know, the mm. one with Maddie Ziegler and she's portraying someone who's on the autism spectrum and everyone was against mm. it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's just that the topic of autism is taboo in some cultures because I know for a fact growing up with the Mexican family, they just refuse to acknowledge it altogether and they just do what they do as parents altogether. You know, family can give you crap just like any other family, but that's just the different dynamics of it. But again, autism, I'd say, is not as well informed in some cultures, some families altogether, because, you know, what are we, they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Because I really, aside from knowing what autism is, I don't know anything about it. It is, mm. one second. <clears throat> it is very I guess not taboo but rather it's just like something we've I've never met my family and I have never talked about because in a way it's like well well we kind of just move on and move forward just like with your family mm. and <clears throat> with me I can't I can't necessarily relate to being autistic but <clears throat> at one point I did have developmental issues when I was a child I actually wasn't able to speak actual words until I was about four. So all I was doing was speaking gibberish to everybody. And pretty much I had to go through occupational therapy. And of course, that is not relating to autism at all. But it does help me, I guess, see a little bit better the way that a person can experience things, but that the world doesn't see them as, as they see themselves. Am I right on that one? Yeah, you are right, I'd say. Right on the money. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad. I've been really nervous about this. I was getting really nervous. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm just like, I don't want to hurt anybody. 
I don't want to. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> well, okay, we should probably get to the plot then. So with Nathan, he grows up as a math prodigy. And as Ernesto was talking about, he himself was kind of a math pro- prodigy himself. But going along throughout the movie, he he ends up getting to go to the training camp for the International Mathematical Olympiad, the IML, the IML. And Nathan, he ends up in Taiwan. And it's this whole other world that he's never seen before. It's very new to him. It's almost like almost like an attack on his senses in a way, because the way that the movie portrays portrays Nathan and his senses is that sometimes there will be um, like flashing colors or other times he'll, you can see him feeling very overwhelmed, even in like the slightest twitch of his facial expressions or just not talking to anybody or having, not having things a specific way. It's, it's like a very visceral attack on him. And for, for people for people who don't have autism, and for at least for, for me, change is is not is already hard. But I'm guessing based on the movie that with with people with ASD, that they have a little bit of a harder time with change. Mm. Or at least a majority of them do, I'd say, because I remember very vividly, like a couple of years ago, that um, there was an article in the news, and I forgot where I read it from, but it discussed about a mother when McDonald's, you know, wanted, in, instead of including fries, they wanted to include apple slices and as part of their Happy Meals. And it was really bad for her son, who was autistic, because they would go once a month and that was his, you know, his favorite meal for the month and he looks forward to it. And when they did not include like the fries and they just had the apple slices in there, he got really upset. And the mother went out of their way to just beg for the McDonald's to, you know, give them the happy meal that he wants because he's autistic. Hmm. I didn't know that. I... I've actually have heard of people with kids with autism, them having mental breakdowns and other people being willing to comfort them. I think there was this one, um, I think it was a four or five-year-old boy. He was having a, he was having a breakdown and Snow White came to help him, came to help him and comfort him. Yeah. I remember that. You remember that one too? I thought it was the sweetest thing. I think that. Absolutely. I feel like our world is so much more open to people with with different perspectives on the world that there isn't mm-hmm. just one thing being completely like heteronor- heteronormative all mm. oh, my tongue <laughs> <laughs> heteronormative like there is so many more so many more ways to learn about people and that in their different perspectives and that I really appreciate the way that this show kind of portrays that and Mm -hmm. like one big change in the movie is kind of like um the death of nathan's dad you know what's actually very interesting was that in the research that i did on wikipedia um the father never died actually and they just added that as part of the plot for the movie 
Wow, that kind of, you know, I'll be honest <laughs> with you, that, that makes the, that makes this journey a little anticlimactic because the way that the father's death is intertwined in the movie makes mm-hmm. it a bigger deal than in real life than it actually is. Yeah, and it's just that that's such a stark difference. And it just comes to show that when you try to give perspective on, you know, at least just with any story, really, there there may be some elements that are not necessarily true if you're basing it off a real story. And that's a huge difference. That is very true. I feel like Hollywood, I've, I've mentioned this before in multiple episodes for everybody, but I feel like the film industry always likes to construe things to make them more appealing to, to audiences. And of course, and I mean, it's not necessarily bad, but it's just how you do it and what you do with it that can just give people the wrong impression altogether. Mm-hmm, exactly. But I'd say making the difference in which this, you know, whether the father is dead or not, I'd say that's all right, but it's just the other elements that tied into it is what got me. Mm-hmm. That, like what other elements could you give me like an example um the conflicting feelings that nathan had between the you know his love interest and his father's death that didn't suit well with me after i watched it a second time it's funny um ernesto and i were actually talking before the episode just to kind of like get a get the ball rolling and see how we'd have a conversation and I remember you saying that and I was just like, oh Lord, no, it is really bad because I feel like those two, the way that it's portrayed, I think, what what's the word? Like, it just doesn't feel good. Like, I mean, I, there's I not really enough say. chemistry and also the fact that um, the pacing was off. Mm-hmm. At times in the movie, it actually did go too slow or too fast. Like there was, it didn't feel like there was an, a consistent flow for very long you mm-hmm. know what I mean yeah and also the fact there was a b-plot into it where his teacher Martin had a love interest with Nathan's mother and it's like that doesn't seem right I didn't what it was I was just like why why did they have to add this there was enough stuff already I it's thought- like I feel like they didn't focus too much on Nathan himself, but rather the situations he's being presented with. And that's fine, but mm-hmm. why would they show it in those in that type of manner to begin with? That's true. Like I felt like I loved Nathan's storyline and the way that he was in the way that he was kind of overcoming change and being willing to kind of accept more and have more in his life rather than rather than the things that he's always known you know like him having only Mm. a prime amount of things to eat or him I don't know how to explain it like him just only studying math or just like ice cream like there was more to him and I really liked I really really enjoyed that I just I hated the parts where it just they, they just flashed to the mother and it didn't feel genuine at all yeah, and the thing is between the contrast between his mother and his father, it's clearly shown that his father was the only person who truly saw Nathan as an individual and not seeing him any different for, for him being on the spectrum at all. And I can tell that his mother was making genuine effort 
to, you know, care for Nathan, but it's just that from Nathan's perspective, it seems really off and he sees more of his mother as a caretaker more than a parent. Yeah. He, he always brushed, brushed her mom off in a way that was just like, no, I'm good. Thanks. And it was, I guess, I guess I know exactly what you mean. Cause I think I realized it when the mom <coughs> like um, bought prawn balls and they weren't a prime number. And the mom like started apologizing profusely and it felt almost as if, as if she was being a caregiver in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell, you know, just with any parent in that situation, they would be frustrated, I guess, at both themselves, but also the child. It's just like, why did I get myself into this, this situation? And you know, at the very least, Nathan's mother did turn around and become a parent, more of a parental role than the caretaker in the in Nathan's point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's, um, I feel like at the end, that was like towards the end, right? So Yeah, that was towards the end. And that was, you know, the denouement of the movie and everything. It's just that like I said, the pacing was so weird in this movie, and it's just like all of this dramatic tension at the very end, and then the movie ends like two minutes afterwards. It's like, I feel like those types of moments between Nathan and his mother should have been more, I guess, more intimate throughout the movie. Or like, I feel like they should have Oh, that's a good point, because I was like, this movie's really good if they did the pacing right, and they picked the right stuff to shoot that's like the main thing with the movie I guess Mm -hmm. it's not to say that it's a bad movie it's just that after your second watching you start to question the fallacies within it absolutely it feels like they're almost doing a bandwagon fallacy where Mm -hmm. for anyone who doesn't know what a bandwagon fallacy is is kind of like just hopping on a train of things that are popular and riding along with it so that everybody else follows. Mm. And in a way, the way that they talk about kind of like the, Julie's mom and Nathan's teacher and also the love interest, they do it in a way to target to target a specific audience and not necessarily to broaden the story. So there's that, I guess, apprehension when I watch it now, because at first I really liked it. I didn't I just kind of watched it and just enjoyed myself. But now kind of like with watching it a second time over in the last few days, it's it's become more clear to me that this movie has has more, I guess, eh parts. Like it's okay, rather than the really amazing parts that it actually does have. Okay, so my other... Thing that I kind of wanted to ask you, Ernesto, mm-hmm. is what do you think they could have done to help improve the movie? Like, what do you think is, is the number one thing they could have done? Because to me, after watching it again, it's just that it focuses not enough on Nathan as an individual. And I understand that when 
for someone like me on the spectrum, it can be difficult to deal with not just change, but also traumatic experiences altogether. And that's very much understandable, just like any other normal person would. But in Nate, for Nathan, he, I believe, dealt with this for like five plus years. He doesn't know how to express it. He is just more so, I guess, in his shell, just like, what was the girl's name actually? She's uh Zhang Mei. So Zhang Mei was just, you know, I felt like Zhang Mei was just included in the storyline just to be Nathan's savior. And that's just really yeah, yes, off. yes, yes, exactly. You're shaking your head. I just love the movie that's coming from you. I'm feeling it and I'm loving it. I so agree. Like Zhang Mei, she's she's really nice, but I think that she shouldn't have been a love interest but rather as like i don't know as like a friend a, yeah a friend she's or like a, a or friend, like a, no, I don't they treated her like the savior that's true i just because in all honesty no no person just wants to you know feel like they need to be rescued just because of who they are and why and the way the person that they are it's absolutely i guess in, in a way for me like looking at it infuriating makes me angry yeah, especially, like, you would be kind of upset if this were any other movie, but, you know, did they really, you know, for someone who's in the spectrum, do they need to be saved? No, they just want to be respected, viewed as an individual. I mean, come on, people with disabilities, they do not overcome their disabilities. What happens in that case, actually, is just when they succeed, they overcome the societal barriers. That's what it is at the end of the day. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I can't, I can't necessarily write when it comes to autism, but I've broken my leg twice and I have a physical disability, like not necessarily enough to be considered like disabled or anything, but you can, I'll walk around campus at some point, Ernesto, you'll see me. And mm-hmm. I have this huge stark scar on my leg you'll see it. And I've had surgeries. I have pain and it's completely normal. And people just, it's even like the smallest thing. People just look at you funny. It is absolutely infuriating. And they're like, oh, one day you'll meet like such a great guy. And then I'm like, but I don't want them to treat me as if I am not an individual because though I do not have, I do not have everything physically, I have more up here. (laughs) Absolutely. And come on, it's just more so people themselves, society are the bad people, not the people with the disabilities. It's just that we're not as open as we should be. Yes, absolutely. I feel like there's a lot of, I guess, resistance. Mm -hmm. Resistance and apprehension to new things that we've never seen before. And to be fair, I don't blame them at first. That's not, because everyone is usually apprehensive to something that's new. There's no no way around it. But at the same time, being more open is kind of just being willing to ask more questions and to talk about it, talk about things more and not just think Mm -hmm. of it, oh, as something taboo. Because as you all saw in the beginning, I was really scared to really voice my opinion because I don't want anyone to think that I'm generalizing or anything or that mm. I'm being 
mean or disrespectful. That's not my intention. But now kind of like getting more into this conversation, I'm more comfortable. And I really appreciate you being here, Ernesto, to like help me out and to just be someone who's just willing to just talk. talk Yeah, of course. And I can't speak for anybody else who has autism, but, you know, for some, you know, in some cases it could classify as a disability, but otherwise we help. It's just better to just help them out in any way they can and don't view them any differently for it. Just treat them like any other normal person would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now for people who, okay, I'm thinking about my last question. So for, for, if you could tell Asa Butterfield, the head, the, the lead actor for this movie who plays Nathan, if you could tell him something, tell him something about the way that he did this movie and what you want him to kind of like know about, I guess him doing future roles or what you just want to tell him, what would you say? I would say he did a fantastic job for the role and as well as the the younger actor who played the younger Nathan when he was like nine years old, he did a fantastic job with that. But I, here's the thing, I can tell that in the film, they consulted, you know, with other people about the experiences of someone who is in the spectrum and what it was like. And you can't really explain it. You know, for some people, you know, who are in the spectrum, sometimes they can't get their words out straight. You know, sometimes I deal with that issue and I still have to overcome it because you can notice that I kind of don't talk normally like other people. I sometimes go on and on. I mix up my words every now and then. What goes through your head is completely different when you speak word vomit by Mean Girls for that thing because that actually (laughs) describes my scenario. (laughs) But yeah, I can tell that from what he was told when he does his portrayal for Nathan, fantastic job. Wouldn't change it. But I would change the writing. Be like, writers, can you do another version of this movie, but make it better, please? I would, honestly, I would be 100% down to have another another iteration of, of this movie if they were to change a lot of what happened and to make it more, I guess, individualized rather than as a collective. And so that is pretty much the end of this episode. Ernesto, thank you so much for joining me. And as for everybody else, I wanted to make sure that I approach this topic because I feel that it is important to be able to open up about different topics and to just broaden our horizons when it comes to learning new things. I definitely learned a couple of new things today. And and for that, I'm very, very grateful. Ernesto, Mm -hmm. is there anything you'd like to say to my audience? Hmm. I mean, if anything, I'm still impacted by, I don't think we discussed this yet, but like Nathan dealt, at least he was a bitch taken aback by Luke, another character, and he did Mm self-harm. And he explained, he told Nathan that (laughs) no one wants to be ordinary. It's all right to be weird as long as you're gifted. 
And if you're not gifted, you're just weird. And it really is a frag, just a sign of where society is and what we can do to improve ourselves. Absolutely. That we can come to a place of understanding and acceptance and love that won't, that people won't be self-harming themselves or especially because it was bullying that he dealt with from the other students. He picked up all the bad traits of autism, obsessive, socially incompetent. Mm. It, it broke my heart to listen to that really. And that is, that is something that we really need to change in order to Absolutely. help ourselves like, and move forward. It resonated with me deeply because that's the tort- sort of bullying that I went through throughout grade school. And it still kind of affects me to this day, but otherwise I'm just trying to improve myself as an individual. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, Ernesto, thank you so much for joining me. And so for everybody, oh, I'm so sorry. That was, <laughs> oh, you heard that. <laughs> Oh Lord, I am, I'm so sorry. I had an alarm on my phone and I did, I forgot I still had it on. But for that, this has been another episode of Caligan Circumstances. I will see you guys in the next episode. And so, bye-bye.